Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Cheer Chat. It is the season finale for season six. <sighs> Leave you guys with some parting thoughts. I'm giving you guys a double episode this week because last week I had to, you know, take it down a notch. I uh, really, really needed to sit the F down somewhere. I'll just have to say it's the importance of self-care in today's time because sometimes you're going, you're going, you're going. I forget what people say. It's not working from home. It's like working. I forget what the what the phrase is, but living at work or something like that between, you know, the end of the quarter and just having last week off. I thought, oh, I'll get all this stuff done, you know, for the podcast. And uh, my body was just like, no, you won't. We ain't doing shit. Sorry. But I mean, it was something that I needed, but I had big plans to end the season last week and it just did not come together. But I think it was all for the better. I was able to get enough clarity and quiet to um, to get this open letter done, you guys. And really, really excited about that. I posted it a little bit after midnight last night and lots of good feedback so far. We can talk more about that later, just in terms of what now, you know, if you haven't had a chance to read it, it is posted on Instagram. It's on the website, on the blog, and I'm going to read it for the sake of the podcast later. So we'll have story time. But for now, thank you guys for joining. I wanted to give you guys the heads up that I will be taking a little break. There's not much going on but the Rona anyway, but to give a little bit more time for things to develop, you know, leading into whatever season of football that we have. But I plan to launch season seven on August 19th. So I will be gone, but I will be still, you know, still be around on social media, of course. And if there's some things that are happening, I have no problems jumping online and talking about it really quick and sharing information. But this is the season finale. I'm calling I Want to Dance with Somebody. This episode features an interview with Neely Neal. She's a former uh, Arizona Cardinals cheerleader, and she started this amazing business and community called Go Fit Win, and it's kind of geared toward former pro cheerleaders who just want to kind of feel like you're in practice again. It's not like the same as like a dance class. I think the, the Rona kind of messed up the plans of having groups that would gather in certain regions, but do it online for now, but it's a great way to just kind of stay in touch with people and feel like you're a part of something again. You know, that other thing that we miss, not just our, you know, cheerleading bodies, but just like the camaraderie and learning routines that are not like doing the most audition mode, but just, you know, just having cute, fun routines that just let you milk it and feel it. And you know what I mean? Just like fun. Like that's what's missing. Sometimes you don't want to just do you know, masterclass level routine. You just want to look cute, be sassy, and just do your thing for a few minutes and bond with people who also have that connection with you of, 
cheering professionally. I think it's a great idea. She has some wonderful ideas that are coming down the pipe. So we're going to talk to her for I want to dance with somebody. All right. So while I'm gone, y'all can't be forgetting about me. Okay. Like I said, I'm coming back August 19th. But um, I've just been noticing that there are a lot of new communities forming, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. And I just wanted to, you know, give them a shout out and hopefully you guys will support them and just, you know, stay connected with one another and obviously stay connected with me too. But um, I've already talked about Pro Dance Boys. I think it's really great. It's an Instagram account um, dedicated to showcasing and highlighting amazing male performers in pro entertainment. So you'll get to know some of these guys that have made these teams in the NFL and hopefully we'll see more, you know, dancers in the NBA that are featured there as well. So follow them. And then Sister Space is a new page um, that was created to provide a safe space to discuss experiences of black dancers and professional sports. So follow their handle. I believe it's Sister Space. Oh my gosh. I'll tag it below. Look it up. You'll, you'll find it. I think there's an underscore in there somewhere, but um, another great community of dancers coming together and talking about what it's like, you know, and just sharing inspirational things of like what you would do differently or what support you wish you had, blah, 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 blah. I think they're having, you know, Zoom meetings to get to know one another. So again, all this networking, you guys, is always good to just broaden your horizons and who you know in this industry. I think it's so much easier with social media to get to know people on different teams. So stay connected. And the last one um, that I wanted to bring up was Palms Up Palm Queens. Um, it's a free private group on Facebook for former NFL cheerleaders and lovers of pro cheer to connect and give and receive support because, you know, the transition when you stop dancing on a team, like I said, is just sometimes difficult. And the idea is you won't do it alone. You'll have a support group, essentially. Um, but it's about health and fitness. And I'm trying to, like, read from the <laughs> from the blurb here. But it's about catering to the beautiful, strong, fierce and confident woman through health coaching, fitness training and fun dance routines. Okay, anyways, all right, so Pro Dance Boys, Sister Space, and Palms Up Palm Queens on Facebook. So check them out. They're there as, like I said, as a support and a way to talk and connect and all of those good things and uh, support one another. Okay, you guys ready to talk about the name change? I'm sure you guys are all following the news. The Washington Redskins are no longer the Washington Redskins. The name is still TBD. But we all know that it's a racial slur. I think there have been so many articles, so much activism around this name change happening for quite some time. And Daniel Snyder was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not changing it. But, you know, the day and time that we're living in, people are feeling more pressure to do the right thing. Companies are using their voices in terms of their dollars or sponsorship dollars or naming rights on stadiums and making threats. And it actually lo and behold convince him to change the name okay so I don't know how you guys feel about it but um I think it's the right move and unfortunately it shouldn't have taken financial pressure for him to cave but whatever it's happening so I think it's something to celebrate and on the other hand I will say like I've been looking at everybody's posts some of the cheerleaders and whether it's alumni or current cheerleaders and I think they have absolutely been very respectful of the change and kind of embracing it but it's also you know sad because last year's squad is you know they're the last of the Washington Redskins cheerleaders and you know you have your own identity associated with your team name and 
you know, they have the first ladies of football, but you know, they've been WRC. They used to be Redskinettes, let's be real. And then it was Washington Redskins cheerleaders. And now they're just going to have to be something else. And yeah, people are saying the name should have changed a long time ago. Hey man, and money talks. Yes, it absolutely does. Um, all the time. So <sighs> they'll just have to embrace, you know, a new identity and know that, you know, it doesn't really change who you are as a cheerleading team, obviously, but it's an identity crisis. Like I'm still bitter and I'm not even going to act like I'm mature about it. I don't like that the Seahawks changed the Seagulls name. I mean, Seagulls sounds a little corny and everything, but you know, there's Seagulls, people would make fun of it, but that was who we were. So it was not an easy change to embrace when they changed it to the Seahawks dancers. I mean, I'm not on the team anymore, but like we obviously are kind of wiped from history and I don't, love it. I mean, it's kind of bland. I mean, there were just cutesy names for the cheerleading teams that I think fit to some extent. So I feel you girls a little bit. And I know you guys are just willing to kind of move forward and in the right direction and you'll represent well. So I'm not, I'm not worried, but I don't even want to say kudos. It's just kind of like, okay, fine. Finally, we did it. The name is changing. Um, So I don't want to like blow it up too much. But, you know, will the Kansas City Chiefs be next? I mean, there's some teams in the Major League Baseball, NHL. So start reviewing it, people, before your sponsors start talking. I just think it's something that's long overdue and make it happen. Okay, so that's that. All right. You guys ready for the Rona? (laughs) The Rona update? My last Rona update until we actually have a season going on, let's hope. So, okay. So, you know, the NBA players have been arriving in Orlando into the bubble and they had some testing. I don't even know. They're just testing, testing, testing prior to getting there, I believe. But two out of 322 players um, tested positive during their quarantine period. Because I think once they travel there, they have to quarantine and test. And so two out of 322 is like 1%. It's not bad. They're going to try to keep the Rona out of the bubble. But, you know, Russell Westbrook, can I say his name? Russell Westbrook. You know, he tested positive on Monday before he even left for Orlando. So it's definitely keeping your eyes on the bubble and just seeing how this social experiment's even going to work. Because again, you know, NFL, other sports, they're not in a bubble. So if they can't contain the Rona being in a bubble, then I think that's a pretty strong indicator of what you can expect. I've already talked about that to nauseam. Ideally, next season we'll know more and it won't be this looming what if and what's going to happen but people just need to kind of put it on the shelf until 2021 okay like college football needs to can it I know some the Ivy League was I think was the first conference to kind of announce that they're just not doing it I think not until January or something like that of next year but decisions are going to have to be made and they're going to have to just quit you know pipe smoking pipe (laughs) Whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? I need to eat dinner before I go live so that I can think clearly. But basically, I think it's just like a a pipe dream to think that football is going to happen. It's the most high contact sport that you can even think about. And um, that's a segue into my next point. I shared it in my story. I always try to give you guys perspective so that you can kind of think beyond cheerleading and understand how so much still relates to it. And there's so many similarities and Um, commonalities and some of the issues, but I shared J.C. Treader. He's the center for the Cleveland Browns, and he's also the president of the NFL Players Association, their union, for those who don't know. I wish we had one. We need to get one. 
I keep saying I'm going to get somebody on the podcast to talk about what unionization means and looks like. And I know we're a long way to go from that because we'd all have to stick together to refuse to dance until we unionize and lots of other requirements around it. But anyway, they have a union and it's geared towards protecting their rights. And he drafted an open letter. So I'm not the only one who's drafting open letters out there, but it's called protecting the rights of football players. And I'm going to just share some key points that I think resonate with some of the things that I've been running my mouth about for the longest time. But, you know, he said that there's a lot of misconceptions out there in the press and with fans that he wanted to dispel so that people stay focused on what they need to, which is just protecting their health and their rights during this quarantine and this pandemic uh, so that they're not just, you know, risking their lives out on the field for the sake of football and money, basically. So let's just see if any of these things sound familiar. And just imagine what it would be like if we had a union that could raise these issues for us um, as necessary. We ain't got one. So here we go. Um, One of the, the myths is like playing in the NFL is a privilege, not a right. Some, you know, fans have that attitude. The teams have that attitude. Owners have that attitude. He says the attempt to frame your occupation as a privilege is a way to make you feel like you should be happy with whatever you get versus exercising your right to fight for more protections and benefits. I'm just saying this because like we should have the same mentality about our role as pro cheerleaders. I know it's a lot of like, I'm just happy to be in the uniform. I'm just, you know, this is such a coveted spot and it's a privilege, not a right. And I get that, but that's played because you're getting played and your rights might be getting infringed upon and you got to shift. This is still a job and everybody's entitled to certain protections as an employee from your employer. And um, I just thought that he made that point very, very well in his open letter. Um, Another one was you should just play for the love of the game. And he said, being a passionate about your job shouldn't prevent you from seeking better pay benefits and work rules from your employer. Like every other worker, we should always work to maximize what we get for our services and realize our full value. So again, just speaking to knowing your worth and don't get it twisted. Like just because you love it and you're passionate about it doesn't mean that you aren't worthy of getting the pay that you deserve and the protections that you deserve. There's themes here, but another good point. Um, People say, just go play. You're young and healthy. You will all be fine. We need sports back. And he said, we are not invincible. And as recent reports have shown, we certainly aren't immune to this virus. NFL players are humans, some with immunocompromised family members or live-in elderly parents. Trust me, we want to play football, but as a union, our most important job is to keep our players safe and alive. The NFL Players Association will fight for our most at-risk players and their families. Again, unless you're living alone, whatever life that you lead on these teams, I'm speaking to you as pro cheerleaders, you know, you're also kind of impacting others in your life, your family, your boyfriend, whoever you live with. It goes beyond yourself, and they are definitely keeping in mind that a lot of these players, and there was another good point that I didn't um, take out here, but just that a lot of the NFL players suffer from certain types of, you know, health conditions, whether it's asthma or diabetes or different things. And so they're kind of at risk too in terms of playing and, you know, subjecting themselves to the risk of getting the Rona with their underlying health conditions. So it's just stuff that they are thinking about and they are trying to, you know, get everybody on the same page so that they're not losing sight of the ball, so to speak. 
And the last point I wanted to share was, you know, the comment that I had to go back to work, you should have to go back to. And he said, it is the responsibility of the employer to provide a safe work environment. I encourage all workers to hold their employers accountable to high standards. The NFLPA will be diligent as we demand that the NFL provide us the safest workplace possible. I do not believe conversations about returning to work should be a race to the lowest common denominator among employees across different professions in different industries. We are all workers fighting for the same things, better pay, better benefits, and better work rules. No worker should be complacent with their rights because they have what others outside their business deem good enough. Instead of racing to the bottom, let's push each other to the top. I thought it was well-written, very to the point. It's just, it's like any other job. You know, I told my boss straight up, like, I don't want to go back to the office until I have enough assurances that I won't be more at risk than I am staying home. Period. Like, I know there's no social distancing in this open space environment that we have. I don't want to be sitting there at work freaking out, you know, about people touching things. And it's just, I'm not going to go back to work until I have enough comfort that I will be protected. And so I just think that the NFLPA is doing what they should be doing to look out for the players. Obviously, they're, you know, in the full contact sport and they are the most at risk with going back to football. But just know that these are things that they're pushing for and they have the similar concerns that we've been talking about on the podcast. And I just thought just for some context and understanding that I'm not the only one that writes open letters and and it's just a way of communicating and, and flushing some issues out. So keep your eyes on the prize, you guys, during this time and make sure that you feel comfortable with how you're going into your season. That's all I'm going to say for the last time during cheer chat. Like I said, I know we've we've touched on this a lot. And I don't want to just like read the open letter, but let's shift gears to the open letter that I drafted. You guys have been very, very instrumental in putting the thoughts together to put into this open letter. So again, I just want to say thank you for just engaging with me over these last few weeks. It's been rough and there's been a lot of emotions, but a lot of good conversations around this diversity inclusion and pro cheerleading. There have been some incidents that have happened with the Sixers, you know, just different triggers. And I think we've all experienced in our own team or our own setting how this touches pro cheerleading. And I just tried to put all of that into words that reflected what I heard during the the town hall that we had during the episode that we had called Freedom, where we talked about what it's like to be a black cheerleader in the NFL, since all of them are NFL cheerleaders. But I've gotten some input from some wonderful people that I trust, and I just want to thank them as well. But I just felt like it took a while because, I don't know, the words really weren't coming to me the way that I, I just needed things to be quiet for a minute, obviously. But I'm just so glad that it came because these are things that I'm sure people have been fighting for and talking about for a very, very long time probably, you know, at the expense of their career, because, you know, if you become the squeaky wheel that's always talking about race or things just just don't seem like they're ever going to change, people tune you out. Uh, you kind of are just known as that person, maybe. But it's it's a fight that's worthy of just until you're blue in the face, um, constantly raising until this changes. And I just feel like the momentum is now to, again, get these changes on the table and I definitely welcome, you know, feedback and input 
um, from you guys in terms of where to go from here. Last year, when I did the open letter to the NBA, I had a kind of a, it sounded kind of psychotic maybe in terms of tagging people and really, really pushing the issue in front of as many execs, you know, that I can research. And this was, you know, because I was targeting certain teams in the NBA, right? But I think with this open letter, I'm just hoping that whether it's you guys that are sharing the open letter with your directors just to say, hey, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't want to like ghostwrite your emails, but I think it's written in a tone that's not as confrontational to the point, And you guys know me in the way that I, I talk. I think it's just not as like, I'm pissed off because of a decision you made and I'm going to let you know how I feel about it like last year. So I'm hoping that this is a conversation starter and I'm planning to kind of share the open letter with some of the directors, you know, and the NBA and NFL and just asking them if they wouldn't mind sharing it. Like, I don't have email addresses of people's directors. If y'all wanted me to email your director, I could do that on, you know, from the Pro Cheerleading Podcast Gmail account. I mean, I can email them all as a group, BCC'd, and just letting them know that this was something that tries to articulate the concerns of our community and what they do with it. I'm hoping that they'll talk to each other. I'm hoping that you know, they'll figure out some some best practices from some teams that seem to do it right. I'm hoping that they will talk about it with their team. And I'm hoping they'll make some goddamn changes. I mean, there's hella bullets in here of things they can do that I think are not controversial. Maybe some take a little bit of work and brainstorming, but they need to happen. So, but I do encourage you guys to read it. I mean, I have stats in there. I did a diversity survey that a lot of you guys participated in last year, just to give some context of why this is a problem and issue in terms of diversity and representation. And so I think it's thorough. If I left anything out, y'all know you can hit me up and let me know. Um, I just really appreciate you guys um, sharing input with me. I think to the extent you can kind of use this as a tool to get conversation started, please do let me know how I can help in that. Um, I just think we all kind of have to be raising our hands to speak to these issues together or just forever hold your peace about it. It's a chance for us to actually do something in our space to fix some things that have been broken for quite some time. So this is my best crack at it. I appreciate all of you, like I said, and I'd love to hear feedback. Y'all got to let me know what you think and what's missing how we can utilize it, how it should be put on blast, like how we can share it, post it, promote it, etc. I have some things that I'm still working on in terms of that. I will miss you guys, but I'm excited to take some time to chill the hell out. Enjoy whatever summer Seattle has for us. It's just now starting to get warm. Um, I hope you guys all stay safe. Obviously, you know, we've been talking about the Rona, but it's been getting worse in some areas and I just think we all have to be diligent in taking care of ourselves. And again, I won't be far. I will keep an eye on things. And if anything pops off, I'm just going to get back on live and talk. Um, Call it a bonus episode, whatever. But I'm going to keep you guys posted and, and speak on things that come up. I'll keep you posted on what I plan to try to do with this letter. Um, I just encourage the dialogue to continue because I think this is just one of hopefully many conversations on this topic. August 19th, I will be back refreshed and all that good stuff with a good lineup of people. If you guys have uh, ideas for episodes, ideas of people to interview, 
Um, I always have a list. Well, actually, not for this season. This season was just fly by the seat of your pants, getting where you fit in kind of a thing. But I hope to put together a good slate of people for season seven. Think about how we can use this letter to move things forward. Okay, I got a little shy about reading this open letter during uh, Cheer Chat Live, but I do want to, for you know, the listeners of the podcast, read the letter so that they understand and it's documented forever and ever what was in the letter. And maybe it'll have some, you know, commentary throughout, who knows, because I got to keep it spicy enough so that people aren't put to sleep. So here we go. This is the open letter to the pro cheerleading community on diversity and inclusion. This is an open letter from the pro cheerleading podcast to represent the voices of pro cheerleaders in the discussion of why and how pro cheerleading needs to become more racially diverse and inclusive. Our community of current alumni and aspiring pro cheerleaders have witnessed the human rights epidemic of police brutality and inexcusable murders of black people in the United States giving rise to the Black Lives Matter movement. We have looked to the pro sports teams that we cheer for to exemplify leadership and take action on this human rights issue, not political issue. Some teams have publicly declared their commitment to support Black Lives Matter, to listen to their black employees and explore ways to address racism within their organizations. Why should pro cheerleading be excluded from this unprecedented moment in history to explore ways of eradicating racism in our own industry? Pro cheerleaders are expected to serve as ambassadors in the community for pro sports teams to support a variety of social causes and community initiatives, which should now include the Black Lives Matter movement. Yet, the racial composition of the pro cheerleading teams does not reflect the demographics of the pro athletes they cheer for or the city or communities in which they serve. Based on the first pro cheerleading diversity survey conducted by the Pro Cheerleading Podcast in 2019, Black women represent only 17% of NFL cheerleaders and 23% of NBA dancers, and the percentages of Asian and Hispanic cheerleaders were under 10% each. Even if minorities find a place on these teams, because of systemic racism in pro cheerleading, they more than likely are unable to raise awareness and fight against racial injustices within their teams or jeopardize their dance career by doing so. So I broke out this letter to kind of speak to three different audiences, the pro cheerleaders, pro cheerleading directors, and the pro sports teams. This is the section geared towards pro cheerleaders. Pro cheerleaders play an important role in the sports entertainment industry, and we have the collective power to shape the future of the pro cheerleading community for the better. The notion that we are replaceable and powerless or that our worth on a team is insignificant must be challenged. The culture of fear against using our voices to speak out about issues in order to keep our spot as a pro cheerleader must be dispelled. We need to come together to fight against the racial injustices happening in our own backyard. We must be willing to do some soul searching to ask whether we are part of the problem and what can we do to be a part of the solution. Are we speaking up about injustices when they are committed against us? Are we silent instead of supporting others who have been wronged on our team? Have we engaged in any racial microaggressions, whether intentionally or not, that resulted in our teammates or people of color feeling devalued and insulted? Are we a part of the mean girl culture, ostracizing those who speak out about racial injustices to protect our ideal of sisterhood or to secure favor with the team director? What are we doing to make the pro cheerleading community better for the rookies and youth who look to us as role models 
and will one day follow in our footsteps. And this is just really a call out. I didn't want to come off as like preachy, preachy. I know that sometimes pro cheerleaders feel really limited in what they're able to do. But the truth of the matter is you are more powerful than you think. You guys are bright. You have wonderful careers. You're multifaceted in so many ways. And this is just not a time to cower and, you know, be afraid to stand in your power to say what's right and what you want our community to be like in the future. I just think if there are injustices on your team specifically that you're involved in, know about, it's just time to show up and represent for each other, for your sisters and brothers on these teams. And the more you use your voice, I think now is the time that you actually have a captive audience that will come behind you. I mean, just look at Yane. I mean, for the whole thing that happened with the Sixers. So the that's my commentary on that piece. This next section is geared towards pro cheerleading directors. There is an acknowledgement that to some extent, your hands may be tied by your organizations of making meaningful changes to your program. Your expertise, decisions, and opinions regarding leading your team may not be fully respected by management, and you may also fear losing your coveted position of being a director in this industry. Cheers to the progressive directors who are leading programs in a better direction. For those of you who refuse to look at ways to improve the way you lead your team, your time will soon be up. There is a plethora of resources to educate yourself, take a critical look at your management skills, and seek input from your current and former cheerleaders of how you can improve the diversity and inclusion of your program. It's long overdue, but the time is now, so just do it. And here are a few ideas. And here's a long list, okay? So I'm sure it's not obviously inclusive of everything, but these are the things that came to mind thanks to some wonderful input from you all. So again, thank you for taking the time to read this and give some good ideas of things that should be changed and addressed by these pro cheerleading directors. One, encourage and support people of color to wear their hair naturally instead of insisting upon one beauty standard for team makeovers or eliminating them from consideration in auditions. Two, Consider the various skin tones of your team members when selecting uniforms that appear nude or sheer, as well as any mandatory makeup requirements. Three, celebrate racial diversity by providing equal opportunities to minorities throughout the season, not just during auditions. So this is getting to how the directors lead the team and make certain decisions and the way that they manage and promote and market their cheerleaders. So some of the examples given were selection for formations. People are constantly talking about how the people of color are always, they're never in the front and center, um, in the back, on the side. Just think about formations and how you may always put the same type or the same people in the front. And granted, they are going to be your strong performers and whatnot, but just just think about optics and really question what you're unconscious bias might be in terms of deciding who are the best of your group of cheerleaders to represent you, who's selected for squad leaders, who are selected for appearances, who's selected for your show group, Uh, thinking about representation in marketing collateral, like who you use in social media posts, um, whether it's print, uh, posters, you know, digital, your calendar, things of that nature, just thinking about diversity and inclusion in that respect. Four, reevaluate your judging criteria and diversity of your judging panel to improve the representation of different racial minorities and different perspectives. Frankly, it's not in there. That's my little add on. But basically, 
different racial minorities in your auditions process and team selection. So to improve that, maybe you need to switch up your judging panel or reconsider what you're evaluating your candidates off of. You know, what does the look really mean, especially if you're trying to take into account diversity? Number five, reconsider the body types good enough to wear your uniform reflected by the women on your team as they likely disproportionately impact people of color for not fitting into this box. I can't lie. This was kind of a addressed more or less to the DCC, I got to say. It's just really frustrating to see how that uniform is iconic as it is. It's just so, you know, just has a very disproportionate impact on women of color for not fitting into it. And I just think they can evolve a little bit better than that. Um, Still getting wonderful athletes, but not everybody looking like a stick in order to fit into it. Does that make sense? All right, number seven, when evaluating auditions candidates, do not pit racial minorities against one another to make your selection. For example, comparing two Asian dancers when the same practice doesn't apply to white women unless based on hair color. Like we all know that these rosters have 10 blondes. So they're not putting two white women, you know, and making kind of final decisions based on I'm picking one blonde. No, they pick 10 blondes. So I think sometimes, you know, minorities can be unfairly pitted against one another, like they can only take one of them. And it's just broaden that scope. You know, I'm not a judge and can't really speak to the different criteria or the judging process per se, but I can imagine that there's plenty other attributes that you can compare in judging candidates than acting like you have to choose between two black girls or, you know what I mean? Because that's how some of the pro cheerleaders interpret that. Like they have to compete with other people of color and it shouldn't be the case at all. Uh, Number eight, create a new recruitment and outreach strategy in communities of color to increase the turnout at auditions by holding audition clinics in Q&A sessions and establishing a connection with minority-owned dance studios and dancers. Um, I know for, you know, the Seahawks, they did some recruitment at the local colleges. And I think, you know, if you really dig into some of these communities, since you only have to be 18 to audition, there are some inner city high schools that you could make an attempt to connect with so that you can start grooming a more diverse group of people to show up at auditions. And we can get rid of this stupid argument that nobody shows up that can actually handle your style or has the technique. Number nine, open up discussions about race as part of squad bonding and team building during orientation and or training camp to make it clear from the outset that it is a priority to create a safe space for all races. And lastly, Pay close attention to squad dynamics for the minorities on the team, especially if you only have one person of color, one black girl, one Asian woman, like pay attention to how they're doing and how they're acclimating on the team so that they are not subject to bullying or being left out of social activities, have a zero tolerance policy for hate and racism and hold teammates accountable throughout the season if they fail to uphold these standards. It starts with these directors. They're the closest to managing this group of women and men. And if they implement any of these changes, I and dang it, why not all of them? These are small things that would make a huge impact and difference. So this final section is geared toward the pro sports teams. The message to management of pro sports teams is simple. 
respect and elevate the voices of your pro cheerleaders as key contributors in upholding the values of your organization and supporting your community efforts in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. This can be demonstrated by taking the following steps. One, include pro cheerleaders in all aspects of employee engagement, especially any meetings or similar events meant to discuss organizational changes that impact them, representation of the organization on social issues and diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Sometimes we're like part of the organization, like part of the team, you know, and sometimes we're, we're not. So it's really like we're employees and we represent you out in the community. So include us in all of these meetings and things of that nature that impact us while we're out there on the kind of the front lines with the community. The second point is to require pro cheerleaders and directors to participate in a mandatory diversity and inclusion training and establish measurable metrics to demonstrate progress toward specific objectives set for the pro cheerleading program to increase and improve diversity and inclusion. So this is basically saying there should be a mandatory diversity and inclusion training. Pro cheerleaders and directors should go. And then coming out of that, they should be establishing certain objectives to basically improve the pro cheerleading program. We just listed 10 of them as to how they're going to try to improve diversity and inclusion. And then they should be measured against that. How well did they address those points throughout the season? That should be part of how the directors are evaluated to keep their jobs. What did you do to improve diversity and inclusion this year? How's the team look compared to last year? What have we done in the community? Like, They should have to answer to that. Number three was establish a secure and confidential ethics and compliance hotline available to pro cheerleaders to make a complaint that they are unable to safely address directly with their team directors. It's like a whistleblower policy for pro cheerleaders. I think if we had this, some of these issues probably wouldn't have resulted in lawsuits. And when things bubbled up, the management chain they probably would have had a better chance of hopefully being handled properly. But establishing a hotline that's confidential would be go a long way in our community. Create a policy prohibiting acts of retaliation against whistleblowers to help eliminate the culture of fear of being blackballed or cut from the team during auditions and influence more pro leaders to speak up about injustices. So not only do you have this confidential way for them to raise issues there's no retaliation. You know, you have to ensure that it's safe for them to do so. And that means you can't blackball them or cut them as a way of silencing them. So the last point is just, again, to have a zero tolerance policy for hate and racism for pro cheerleaders and team directors. Independently investigate complaints and take meaningful action to enforce violations of your policies and hold offenders accountable. So Maybe what some of these teams need, just based on some of the reports, is an independent body, law firm. I mean, there's so many different, you know, diversity and inclusion, corporate training programs, consultants. Like, maybe you need to have an independent third party investigate complaints and, you know, provide recommendations as to what needs to be done. Because we all know how politics work. And if people are trying to protect people and cover things up, it just... We need to kind of ensure that there's some integrity in the way these things are handled. The situation with Yane comes to mind of when you go all the way up the chain and nothing is done because people are kind of having each other's backs around it. So that's the final point for pro sports teams. And in conclusion, I said pro cheerleaders of all races deserve to be treated with equal respect and dignity by each other, our directors and our pro sports teams. 
We should be a part of the social activism promised by our pro sports team to help hold them and each other accountable in the community. There are many ways to improve diversity and inclusion in the pro cheerleading community. Let this open letter be the first of many ongoing conversations toward that goal. That was a mouthful, but just needed to be said. And again, it just reflects a lot of the input that I've received from you all. Things and ideas that I've had while I was a pro cheerleader in the NFL for five years and things that would always come to mind of like, we can actually do better. So let's just freaking do better. And again, I welcome continuous feedback from you guys as to how this open letter can hopefully be a tool for you to have conversations with your director and with your teammates. With that, I'm going to kick it over to the interview with Neely Neal for the episode. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, good. How have you been? Crazy, but good. Well, welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast, Neely. I really appreciate you joining us and taking us to a, I think, a very comfortable and familiar space of what people can do in retirement to reconnect with their bodies in a way and with other people in this sport, you know, that have that in common in terms of their passion for dancing and cheering professionally. Um, but before I start, let me just ask you to take us through your, you know, your background at your Arizona Cardinals cheerleader for a while. So tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into Go Fit Win. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and it's so fun to talk with you because it's, it really does solidify, you know, it just feels like I'm talking to someone I was on the squad with. I mean, you feel like a squad sister to me and that, and that's so validating and you have just such a wonderful presence and uh, welcoming vibe and I just I love it. I love listening to you and then now it's a pleasure to talk with you. So thank you for what you do. And yeah, I, I did dance for the Cardinals. Um, I was a Cardinals cheerleader for four seasons. Um, back in 05 was my first rookie season. And fortunately for me, I cheered during the uh, Super Bowl run for the Cardinals. So got to be a captain for the last two years of my time on the team. And one of those years was our Super Bowl run. So wow. didn't get that Super Bowl ring, but you know how that goes. It's yeah. Up to the team at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been about a decade now. Um, doesn't feel like that long ago, but um, officially retired, you know, after the 2009 season. So time goes by so, so quick. It does. Yeah. Tell us briefly like what you've been up to in retirement. You are a mother of triplets. Your daughter is your oldest, right? And then you have triplets. Um, but tell us what else you've been up to in retirement and kind of what led to you launching Go Fit Win. Yes, yes, thank you. I, That's probably a big gap of time to, you know, it, cover, but we'll Yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, I think I can summarize in a nutshell, though, because after retirement, um, you know, I danced a little bit later in my years. I think I was, you know, 30 going on 31 in my final season. So a little bit older than some of my teammates at that point. Um, I'd say I was ready to kind of move on and start ticking some of the boxes, get married, have kids, go pursue the career, you know. So that's what I did. That's what I've been doing this last uh, decade of my life. I work in the tech industry 
and been really involved and invested in growing a family, obviously with triplets. That's a big, <laughs> that was a big surprise, but um, uh, just such blessings. So yes, I have four children now. My daughter's four. Uh, the boys will be two come August. Wow. And we've just got, yeah, mini circus uh, around us all the time, right? Now. <laughs> Especially now, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're not having to homeschool. Yeah, we missed that window. Yeah, it's all just toddler craziness right now, but at least it's not with, um, you know, expectations of homework. So I do feel blessed for that. Um, yeah, I think for me, what I found in the last 10 years of kind of putting the pom-poms on the shelf was that uh, even though, you know, life had moved on and, you know, felt like I was checking all the boxes and pursuing other passions, um, something was still just kind of in the background, nudging me, you know, not to forget about cheer and dance. Cheerleading and dance has been, you know, a part of my life and a, and a source of joy for me for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and I think others, you know, that have gone all the way into a pro career can relate to how many hours and just not just the time and training that you've put in, but also just the, the real love of the, the passion of dance. And what I hear the most from other retired cheerleaders is not necessarily that they miss um, the dancing as the top item, it's they miss their sisterhood or they miss their teammates. Yeah. So that was item number one. And second to that was obviously, yeah, I wish I had that six pack back. <laughs> we all. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I can relate to that too, definitely after triplets, that six pack, I don't know, it's, it's, it might be in there, but it's definitely covered up, so. Yeah. Let's talk everybody through what GoFitWin is about, because it sounds like that that may have been partly what influenced you to start it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I felt a little disconnected. And even though, you know, day-to-day -day life was happening and career woman, mother of four, you know, wife, all the, all the duties, all of the responsibilities, I was happily doing them, but I, I felt like my sense of self wasn't necessarily fulfilled or connected to the joy that I once had. And I knew that, that it was slowly kind of eating away at me. I just wasn't as fulfilled and happy as, as I wanted to be. And, you know, I think in cheerleading, we use the term full out, right? And I, I felt like the years that I danced um, and cheered professionally, I was living life very fully. It was full out all yeah. the time. Yeah. And I was missing that and it wasn't a sense of wanting to go back and do it all over again i was i'm very thankful that's all been in my past it's experience <laughs> now um but i did want to reconnect and restore the joy in my life and i thought i can't be the only one feeling this way um when others had told me too that they have a hard time meeting other women or friends that just get it you know they just sort of understand you and your passion for dance and cheer um and so that's what go fit win is about it's really about bringing women together and restoring that joy in your life through cheerleading and dance because um you know we share that background and it's not something that we have to necessarily put on the shelf forever um that's my view <laughs> yes absolutely well, because you're so right about just wanting that bond and connection because you know you all make your friends through cheerleading and you stay in touch 
and you talk about those types of things of like what everybody kind of struggles with, especially after you retire and you know that they get it, but it's also the idea of being able to take a fitness journey together where it's not necessarily completely focused on fitness. It's just like, we can all get together and dance together. I mean, if I would say my number one activity hanging with my girls, it probably isn't as much as I love traveling with them, as much as I love going out with them and brunching with them. If we got into a studio and danced together, like old times, I probably would melt. I, I can tear up just thinking about it because mm-hmm. those were the times that I loved the most when we would practice together and, you know, we'd watch each other dance. We, you know, just help each other. And that is a, one of the beautiful things that you really, really miss the most. And you just can't really recreate that, you know, like if we all go to the gym together, it's just not how it goes. You know, we need somebody to teach us something. We need to be able to like practice it. And we're not going to do our old routines the whole time. Like can barely remember them, but something where we all can do it together. And that would be just so good for the soul, I think, because it's the Mm -hmm. joy, like you said, that you miss of, having that camaraderie there that's that's what we spend the majority of our time doing is really practicing for that one and a half minute or so that we're out there at that's least right. for the time out so i think that's so awesome so is the structure virtual do you have like what's the format of of the program yeah it's well um the year 2020 has kind of changed that for the time being but um right now it's an online membership so there is monthly choreography then there is um, squad practices. Right now, those are virtual, um, but I wanted the pop-up classes to feel like you're back at practice. So um, each month, we share a new full palm routine, some sideline cardio. So everyone kind of gets a fresh uh, bit of material, but I didn't want it to also be overwhelming because they also realize you know, people have lives outside of cheerleading and dance. We're not just solely dedicated to this anymore. So it is a realistic amount of material and it's if and when you want to go pick it up, you know, after your kids go to bed or (laughs) after you're winding down and you just want that workout in your living room. (laughs) Right. Something that you actually like look forward to doing. And I, I mean, not to interrupt you, but just to pause there, because I think for people who want to dance again, but don't, we're not in audition prep mode. So as amazing as these programs look, and it's yes, a great opportunity to like dance with some choreographers, woo, 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 woo. But like for me, it's too much for me for somebody who's not in the game of wanting to audition. It's intense. The intensity level is completely different and it's for its intended purpose. But I think what attracted me to the idea of what you were you know, talking about with Go Fit Win is just, it's realistic for this audience and like kind of what we're looking to get out of it, right? It's just something that you have for yourself to look forward to. Exactly. So great. Some part, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like just cheesing, but I think. Yeah, it's- I love- <laughs> thank you. Well, it's validation. It really is. Um, you know, because I found myself in that same problem space. You know, I was Googling, you know, dance classes near me, adult dance classes near me, and then it's all ballroom dancing. You know, yeah. when, you, when you Google adult dance class, it usually is like an Arthur Murray advertisement or something. So, yeah. uh, you know, and then there's, like you mentioned, there's um, prep classes, but then you inevitably end up there with maybe one or two alums that you beg and to come with you in a room full of you know women that are trying to make the squad and it's a different vibe it's a different intensity and 
you know, and you don't want to bring in those shadows of doubt when you're just trying to go there and have a good time either, you know, feeling like you're not what you used to be, you know, body-wise, fit-wise. It, yeah. it conjures up maybe just the wrong space for, for wanting to really bring joy back into your life. So, you know, it's like two ends of the spectrum. You can go to Zumba class and follow along and, you know, have a high energy experience, but it's not the same as the counted choreography, the hard hitting, you know, power palm kind of tech, you know, little techniques thrown in there, here and there. But the mental challenge of learning choreography was really what I was looking for in and not finding. So, mm-hmm you know, bringing back that counted choreography and just learning some fresh, new, you know, cute routine every now and then right. what I really wanted. Something <laughs> where that has that. Something where like, my friends want to learn it with me. Yeah, something that has the same like sass and just where you feel like you can just sell it. Because sometimes, I mean, not that it choreo, I don't want to speak for you, the choreo in terms of it being too challenging or not too challenging, but just one of the things of what I noticed lately is just the choreography style. So um, it's not even advanced. It's not that it's advanced. It's just, it's so packed with so much that mm-hmm. it doesn't remind me of at least my time where I think there were just more opportunities to execute and milk and just sell and have fun with it, where I would be so focused on what the moves are. And not, I mean, obviously with lots and lots and lots of practice, maybe get past that, but I just like the idea of just having fun choreography. Yeah. And you're tapping into it. Yeah. Yeah, You're tapping into that um, performance aspect. Yes. You don't want to just go to a master class, like, you know, at some dance convention, you want to be in a performance based choreography that just sits on you and looks awesome when you're going full out, you know? So yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. So we do put out fresh material every month, but then there's a whole backlog of, you know, a video library where you can go in and pick and choose. And we do have choreography that has some technique in it and some that's just fun, grab your palms and shake them kind of routine. So it's really just, uh, you know, what, what you're up for. And our squad practices have turned out to be really great too, because we've had to do them all online, virtual with Zoom, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's, uh, it's a group of people that come to practice, like prepared, you know, we've learned the same choreography and we're running through it and you're getting a good sweat and a good, you know, mental sweat as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's really, it's really been special. It's growing, but you know, we are looking for new members. I mean, I think the strength is in the numbers, right? So the more connections we can foster and the more, you know, locales that, people can start to connect in real life is the ultimate goal. The goal. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Once we're in past the Rona, the idea would be for people to be able to meet up locally and have maybe an instructor, an actual like a class setting so that you're having practice. Exactly. You that, got would, it. that would be really cool. That's what I, I mean, that's what we're all striving for at some point, right? <laughs> it's just yes. to get the deck out of our homes. and be That's able- right. <laughs> Just a hug. I just want to hug some other, you know, humans. I know. How are you finding the Zoom platform for you, just out of curiosity, for holding dance classes? Because I know in asking for feedback about virtual auditions, um, you know, some people have been commenting just on, you know, some of the difficulties. So I was just curious from your perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. So It doesn't seem like it was meant for dance, but, you know. It wasn't. Yeah. So part of my technical brain is like, you know, it's a really solid, good product. But then my dance brain is like, eh, 
Yeah. It could be better. You know, I, I think everyone's kind of making do with the tools yeah. that we have at hand and I appreciate it for the connection aspects, but it's hard. Sometimes the audio, it depends on if it's picking up your voice or the song. Um, yeah. But the nice thing is um, I send out the music for all of my members ahead of time too. So even if Zoom is kind of freaking out on you, you can always, you know, after squad practice ends, yeah, just turn that turn that mix on and go pull out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we're all totally, totally making do with, I'm just excited that you were able to launch it and not, you know, have to wait it out, especially because of kind of the uncertainty of how long we'll be in this space. But I think it's yeah. great for people who, again, you know, audition season's passing. I'm sure there's probably going to be a lull before NBA teams are really picking up with their own auditions process. If they have a season for next year, depending on how this little, guinea pig situation goes in Florida, in Orlando, but um, for people who are wanting to get back to dancing or have a a lower pressure around continuing to keep in shape and and continuing to dance than just staying in heavy-duty audition prep mode for the next nine months. I mean, this has been really rough, I think, particularly for people. I just think, you know, this opportunity to dance with a supportive group of people would Mm -hmm. just be a great way to just not even just like about staying in shape, but just, or getting in shape, but just connecting back with dance. I really, I really appreciate that that's part of, or the focus of like finding that joy with dance, because I think we work so hard at it sometimes that it becomes, it can become less fun, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Like I, yeah. if I were somebody that's gone through, like especially the virtual auditions process and have been busting my butt probably since January for this extended six month auditions process essentially like dancing would have probably been more of a little bit of a chore as much as you love dancing it probably would have hit me as just like frustrating and something I'm dreading and I know I need to do because I need to be on top of it but not something that I just get to take a deep breath and enjoy again so yeah I'm excited to share this with everyone just because I think it might be a cool way to decompress but still remain active Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I, I do think the mental aspect of fitness is is super important too. For me personally, I'm I'm just I guess I'll speak for myself here and not presume to know everybody's mental state. But for me, I mean, even this was even pre-COVID, I was still feeling like the doldrums of everyday life and like there has to be more. You know, go fit when was filling a void for me. Just getting out of the day-to-day sort of adulting doldrums you know you go into a rhythm and it just feels a little um disconnected and not getting those (laughs) endorphins and the adrenaline and just the mental challenge of learning choreography but the connectedness of being with others um, Mm -hmm. was starting to you know eat away at me so i think that connectedness is a big big part of this and why I'm, I'm very much looking forward to a post-COVID world, too, where our only connectivity isn't limited to Zoom, you know, and right, these, right. Virtual, uh, these virtual practices, because um, that's where I think a lot of the magic is for us. Absolutely. It's just feeling like, because I mean, and it's not even just in terms of networking, but just like the opportunity to meet new people, hearing their stories. Because I think even with the podcast, the idea of just like interviewing people who maybe walked 
a similar path but have their own unique story and just being able to make those connections with people locally or where you're able to kind of talk after, go have a drink or eat after and just kind of get to know one another. That's going to be, you know, the real extra special magic of what you're doing because people will just grow a new extension of the sisterhood in retirement, which I think you have your friends, but sometimes you lose contact and touch and things, you know, life changes for certain people Mm -hmm. and implicates your circle, so to speak, in terms of who you can really spend time with and, and that wants to connect on that level. So it will definitely, I can totally relate to like what you're saying. You get into the the whole drum of just the day in, day out, it becomes easier to like not prioritize time for yourself. I mean, I hear that time again, as you are adulting, you have families, you have different demands on you and you're what you really wanted to do with your days, like the last on the list. And that's when that, I think for me, I'll speak, like you said, I can't speak to everybody else's mental state, but for me, and I know that's when I started to fill the void from not dancing was that I didn't have anything for me anymore. And when you're part of these teams, I mean, it's crazy. It takes over your life, but that's your thing. You know, that's, you're completely engrossed in your life as a pro cheerleader. And it's just for you. I mean, that for me, it felt like my own private joy that nobody could touch. It was, it was mine. And I got to pour my whole self into it. And I think that's the part that ends up feeling like it's a, it's missing when you don't have that outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even dancers, cheerleaders, you know, whether they were pro or even collegiate or high school, I mean, everyone kind of remembers that moment when they decide to hang up their dance shoes or put the palms on the shelf, you know, and you do, there's a feeling of what's next, feel a little bit lost, have to recalibrate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And especially now when you're, yeah, responsibilities knocking on the door and you're filling up everybody else's cup before your own, it's just yeah. a little, it's a scary place to be. And so even now, even, you know, with triplets running around and a um, four-year-old who's as energetic as the three of them combined, it's <laughs> like, I, I still need to carve out time for myself. I mean, I need to make this happen. And so a lot of, a lot of times, you know, it's dancing after they go to bed and it's just, you know, thankfully I'm a supportive, you know, partner and husband who uh, is like, yes, go do you. If you need Tuesday, Thursday nights, like you used to have Tuesday, Thursday night practice, then you just yeah. go do you. So, you know, I I'm count my blessings for sure. But part of that is just prioritizing. And at the end of the day, sometimes I don't have a lot of energy, but then I turn the music on and that switch flips. Yeah. I know that feeling. I definitely, <laughs> feel, I mean, I, not recently enough, but you know, I definitely know where you just end up just getting energy out of nowhere to get moving and to do what you, to do what you love. And I just think, I mean, not to go back to just like the whole body image and all of that, but it's just so connected because when you, it is. when you yeah. are able to make time to something that you look forward to doing, which is like you said, the music comes on, you're thinking of the cute choreography, you're trying to remember it. And the next thing you know, you're getting up and moving again. All of that just starts to feed into treating your body well, like giving your body a chance to get that exercise and get that adrenaline pumping. And it just will all kind of connect from there in terms of like how you feel about the way that you look. And not that this is, I'm not even trying to pitch this in a certain light as like a a fitness program, but I think the reality is just that disconnect that we also feel when we stop dancing of like my body's different or I don't, I don't look the way that I used to, or just the, 
the conversations you have in your head about how you used to look and you don't look that way now. I just think once you start doing something, that kind of starts to fade into the background. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that's really powerful. When you're in this space of just focusing on how you no longer look, it almost paralyzes you from doing something about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it creates a barrier. It's, it is it's a total mental block. It's a mental barrier. You know, and I think there's a pride aspect, at least for me, it was a, um, well, people expect me to be a certain way or I need to show up as cheerleader me. And mm-hmm. if I don't look like cheerleader me anymore after four babies. <laughs> yeah. um, but the reality is, no, I'm, I'm, I don't look the way I did in a uniform, but, you know, then you do, I think, have to decide. Um, and it's a decision to make over and over and over again of which frame of mind do you want to stay in? Mm-hmm. Do you want to stay in that sort of, oh, the good old days are gone and oh, look at me now negative vibe? Or do you want to look at the positive aspects, which is I can still move it. I can still shake it. <laughs> I can still yeah. pick up choreography. Um, I can still keep up with my kids and, and run around and have a wonderful time, you know, feeling um, healthy and feeling good. And, you know, whether that six pack ever comes back or not, you know, it's, it's almost compartmentalized. You know, for me, I have fitness goals or dieting, nutrition oriented goals that I would like to continue to strive for. And, you know, but the dancing aspect for me, I, I had to separate and, and say, no, the dancing for me is a channel of energy. It is, it's Mm. a healing therapeutic process. So why would I let something like my body stop me from dancing and getting that adrenaline and, you know, getting that energy uh, stockpiled up again so that I can go (laughs) repeat the cycle and keep up uh, with everybody again. So I definitely can relate to some of those body image struggles. I mean, that's real. It's very real. And this for me is an outlet, you know, like I said, I I can work on those in tandem with this dance aspect and not have to make sacrifices there. I feel like there was a point after I retired when my body did change after a surgery that I had where I just, I didn't want to necessarily go to a class because of how I felt moving in my, my body. Like I, Mm -hmm. and like, I like what you're saying in terms of compartmentalizing, because if you're thinking, oh, how you look and what are you going to wear and, you know, worrying about all those things when it comes to like just being able to dance, it, it becomes, like you said, a barrier. And it's something that you probably don't even connect in your mind. But I know there was a period of time where I was just like, well, you know, what did I used to do for exercise? And I was like, oh, duh, it was dancing. But because I really had a struggle with the way that I looked and I couldn't even fit my dang on workout clothes anymore just for a mm-hmm. minute. So it was just really, really discouraging. And you almost think that you have to like fix one thing before you can do another. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I just need to like get my body right and then I'll feel good dancing again. And uh-huh. it's good to compartmentalize and not try to associate maybe your fitness journey with going back to something that you love. And I think I kind of probably subconsciously made that connection. Like one was necessary for me to do the other because I just didn't mm-hmm. think I'd feel good doing some cute moves or something when I just felt like my body wasn't right. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. I think it's an ongoing um, evolution too. You know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm on a really good 
positive side now being that it's been almost two years since you know my boys are going to be two years old now and I've had enough time to kind of process everything but even then it's still a constant conversation in my head a decision I have to make you know because I look in the mirror and I expect to you know five six seven eight end on one and I expect like you know 25 year old Neely to show up in the mirror wait Are you sure? Uh, Okay, yeah, that's me. Yep, yep, this is good. Okay. (laughs) This works too. Um, And it is a constant conversation. It's a constant check yourself, checking in. Um, But but without the dance aspect, you know, I think it'd be that much harder checking in and checking myself and feeling like I wasn't keeping up or something. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, I feel like when you're really dancing and you you get lost in that moment, whether it's the music, the choreography, whatever it is, looking at yourself in the mirror while you're dancing, whatever that joy is, like, I feel like I'm at my truest self. I'm the happiest. And it's different from being a parent and like, you know, your family or other things that give you happiness. It's like a different kind of happiness, but it's like a joy that just makes me feel like that's who Makiba is. You know what I mean? Like when I'm in that zone, like that's me living my best life. And I think it's hard after you stop dancing to find like what that thing is. But I think what you've created to me is like the closest thing that would put me in that space of feeling like how I used to feel when I was dancing. And some, and it would be practices and as well as games where I would just kind of have that like getting lost in myself and feeling like just so good. Like you just feel mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. You're connected to yourself. You're connected to, I think, a higher source and, and you're connected with your sisters. You're having a shared experience with everybody and on the field. It's just like, I mean, there's nothing like it. So yeah. So do you guys have like a, like a debrief where you guys talk to each other too, or is it kind of all centered around like the dancing aspect? Yeah, actually, no, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's actually a new thing. Um, so we've been getting feedback and that's that's part of the connectivity. It's like, hey, can we just stick around after practice and like and talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that's it's morphing that way for sure. Yes. That's really good though, because I could see that good feeling just kind of wanting to continue on and maybe getting to know people that you've seen in class you know, times. And so that's, that's great. I think that's going to be, you know, until we can be in person and able to kind of connect that way, a great thing to kind of incorporate into the, to the time that you guys have together. Knowing pro cheerleaders, you know, you could be there another extra hour or so, but like, that's right. (laughs) The class is over really, but no, I think that's great for people to be able to, to talk after and exchange info and just kind of and keep up with one another because I think you'll be motivated too when you know that you're I mean it's a monthly membership so that's great too but like in anticipating who shows up for practice you know that's right yeah yeah it's it's all very exciting that we're still you know even though we're separate we can be together um it's also all leading up to an in-person event too. You mentioned there's just an energy and a vibe of being together that you can't replicate online necessarily. And so um, in 2021, the date is still TBD with everything happening, but um, we are going to have a grown-up cheer camp. 
And this will be all when it's safe to travel, safe to hug each other. You know, we're not even going to toe the line when it comes to any of that timing or anything. So, uh, but it's just a vision that just keeps compounding and just something that uh, with all the feedback and excitement that we've had from our members so far in the community at large. I mean, I think even cheerleaders that resonate with being a cheerleader from high school or college, you know, dance teams, competitive teams, there's so many of us now, you know, there's, there are a lot of alumni out there that just want to reconnect with that part of them because they've had to kind of shelf it for a while. And so um, a three-day camp in Arizona will, will be uh, part of our yes. 2021 plans. Oh, that would be fabulous. Yes. Count in. Count yes. <laughs> You're going to have to come host a panel or something. Oh, my God. It's, it's grown up to your camp. Uh, so you've got to uh, sprinkle in a couple of more grown up activities, too. It won't just all be, you know, spirit sticks and <laughs> pep rallies. <laughs> I'm very excited. Very excited about that. That sounds wonderful. So definitely have to do the plug. I'll have everything linked in the uh, show notes so people can check out and um, learn more about how to become a member. Is it really like you kind of just can drop into the program at any time once you sign up? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can drop in anytime. It's a rolling three-month membership. So okay. yeah, you sign up for three months um, or 12 if you're really gung-ho, you know, jump mm-hmm. on. But uh, we're running some new member specials through August too. So um, especially for, you know, the pro community, we didn't get to have our NFL uh, alumni reunion this year. And, you know, just about that. Yeah. Everything I I wanted to go through. I was so ready between the freaking NFL cheerleader alumni thing in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I definitely wanted to give, you know, some incentive to connect the, you know, through the summer. You know, aside from that, there's also on August 1st, I'm telling you firsthand, um, we're putting together a virtual pro dance camp. Uh, so it'll be all on Instagram, but okay. myself and uh, several other representatives, choreographers from across different NFL teams. We're doing a coast-to-coast kind of pro dance camp. It's all free and it's all going to be on Instagram. So folks can just tune right in on IG Live. Okay. Uh, we've got um, a really great lineup. I'm very excited. We're honing in on the details now, but if you want to mark your calendar for August 1st, to be sure to tune in on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> be a fun, fun day of pro dance. So. Awesome. But I'll definitely share it out. I just think, you know, the timing couldn't be, like I said, more perfect to be able to share something that, you know, for people who are wanting to kind of reconnect to their life as a pro cheerleader, that's definitely one group of people that I'm like excited to share this with. And then for everybody who's gone through this virtual auditions process and are needing some time to, you know, to access and heal and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of reset and just kind of thinking through like, okay, once, you know, you have a month or so to kind of get past the cuts or figuring out what's next and then, you know, something to look forward to of like kind of picking yourself back up and dusting yourself off and just doing something that will, I think, bring joy back into it. Because I think absolutely we all need some damn joy right now. Yeah, we have been put through the ringer. (laughs) Seriously, 2020 has just been so just out of control. But I'm so excited to share this because I think Again, it just couldn't be better timing. This is what we can do with that energy. 
This is mm -hmm. a, an outlet to bring out all that positive energy that we all have, that we all tap into to do what we loved over the years. And I just thank you for having the vision to bring it together. Like this is amazing. And shout out to your to your coaches. How many people do you have on staff? So it's myself and it's more of a collaboration. It's not necessarily all go fit when we're just one piece of the giant pro pie on <laughs> August 1st. So okay. um, going to be choreographers and alumni from uh, various teams. So there's uh, Jaguars, Jets, Bengals, Dallas, Cardinals. I think we've got Raiderettes. Yes, have confirmed. Nice. So yeah, just a fun, like a nice like, broad, like coast to coast alumni connection. It's it's gonna be great. So Whoa. well, yay! That makes me so happy. And again, Neely, it's been great meeting you. I feel like it's like you said, it feels like we were on a team together, and just you know, maybe you were on the tall squad and I was on the short squad. We just didn't get a chance. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on opposite corners that's all we're always on the other side of the formation from each other but thank you for creating this space excited for your members excited to join myself and, and hopefully you know we'll start seeing people at practice i'm looking forward <laughs> to trying out go fit win and i'm excited for others too as well and i just thank you for your time and talking about your program Thank you. Yeah and I've, i mentioned this to you i'll say it again i i really appreciate your uh, guiding light in these times. I mean, you've really been an epitome of a leader in action. I think that we as pro cheerleaders are kind of cut from that cloth of being proactive and being leaders. But I mean, you've just kind of taken it to that next level and been a voice for us in the industry. So I appreciate you. Thank you. So you guys are my inspiration. I tell you, it's been um, just my love and passion for you know, the industry and the people that make up the industry. And I'm just grateful for the inspiration because I'm fueled by what I see and all the empathy in the world that I have for what people are going through. And like you said, the both ends of the spectrum, both as a retired cheerleader, somebody is currently doing it for those that are aspiring to do it. I mean, I can feel it all. And thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. It's been an like I said, rough. And I was like, we have to end the season finale on a good positive note. And I think this is what I'd love to be able to share in part with people as a way to kind of do something with that energy. Yeah. That energy needs to release. Just get out. <laughs> <laughs> people can see we're both like flailing our arms, like shimmying and shaking because it's like it needs to come out in a very positive and wonderful way. And I think, I think you, I think you nailed it. Definitely. <laughs> Yes. I got some <laughs> choreography inspiration just then, too. <laughs> I want to see that move in my first practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what? tell everybody your uh, Instagram handle. At GoFitWinSquad. Yeah, at GoFitWinSquad on Instagram. And the website is GoFitWin.com for all the membership information. And uh, like I said, those, the new member uh, specials are running through August. So uh, okay. should be good timing for when we air. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.